Today's video is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Hey, brother! Jay, today I want to talk about one Severus Snape, beloved by many as his role as the ultimate double agent, the right-hand man to both Dumbledore and Lord Voldemort. To some, he is a wizard with immense talent and skill who has been simply misunderstood for years and years and all of his motivations are rooted in lost love. And to others, he is a mean, mean, mean old bullyhead. The boy who went from victim to victimizer, the teacher who bullied his students, played favorites, and had a certain affinity for the dark arts. But one way or another, he left his mark on Harry in the end, going down as one of the bravest men he ever knew and even the namesake of one of his children. But did he go down? Or is it possible that somehow, someway, Severus Snape survived the Battle of Hogwarts and went on to live a private and peaceful existence? Personally, I think at the very least it is possible. Today, we discuss. Before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post curates a monthly box of awesome packed with goodies that you will use on the daily. This past month, I personally went for the Siphon Box. You guys know how much we love coffee here at Super Carlin Brothers, and I am not sure there is a more enjoyable, creative, and camera-ready way to make coffee than a siphon drip. This thing makes a heck of a cup of coffee and flat out looks awesome. And for next month, I've already got my eye on the fidget box. It kind of comes with this really cool desk toy puzzle, a gorgeous pen and a golden egg. I don't know what it does, but I need it. Each box comes packed with over $75 worth of swag and costs just $45. It is just so much fun if you just like getting something new and exciting in the mail each month or is a really, really good gift for that hard to shop for person. To get started, take the quiz over at boxofawesome.com and they'll try to help figure out which box might be best for you. It's free to sign up and you can skip or cancel at any time. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you go to boxofawesome.com and use promo code SUPER. Again, that is 20% off your first box when you go to boxofawesome.com, promo code SUPER. Link in the description down below. Okay, is Snape alive? Right out of the gate, let's just address some elephant in the room type of problems related to his death. If you need a refresher, Snape is killed at the hands of Lord Voldemort, or should I say the not hands of Nagini in the not actually a boathouse, but actually the Shrieking Shack during the Battle of Hogwarts. It's so good when refreshes are crystal clear and not at all confusing. Voldemort is concerned that the Elder Wand is not performing as he expected it to, and he has deduced that it's because he is not the true master because he didn't kill its previous master and therefore he needs to kill Snape, who he believes to be that master. Rather than casting Avada Kedavra to kill him though, he instead traps Snape inside of Nagini's protective bubble and has her bite him in the neck. And here is the passage where most of us would probably agree that Snape dies. The green eyes found the black, but after a second, something in the depths of the dark pair seemed to vanish, leaving them fixed, blank and empty. The hand holding Harry thudded to the floor and Snape, moved 
no more. And yeah, I agree, it doesn't sound good. On top of that, there also used to be this tradition where the author would apologize on Twitter for killing off one of her characters on the anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts. And on this anniversary in 2017, she tweeted, okay, here it is. Please don't start flame wars over it, but this year I'd like to apologize for killing Snape. So yeah, clearly the intent was there, but as ever, tweets are not canon. So today what we're investigating is whether or not there is enough in the book text to make the case for Snape's survival. And again, personally, I think that I think it's possible. It's always good to be vague. Stay with me though, there's quite a bit to review. Okay, so let's examine the death passage one more time because it ends with saying, and Snape moved no more, which obviously I think is designed to imply that he died. And yet there are plenty of instances throughout the books with other characters having a similar description and they all survive. Example number one, during the battle of the Department of Mysteries, Hermione is hit by Dolohov with a mysterious purple flame. It goes like this, but the Death Eater Hermione had just struck dumb, made a sudden slashing movement with his wand from which flew a streak of what looked like purple flame. It passed right across Hermione's chest. She gave a tiny, Oh, as though of surprise, and then crumpled onto the floor where she lay motionless. What on earth even is this spell? Because that's kind of a mystery in and of itself. Like it's not the Avada Kedavra curse, obviously, and it seems to have the same effect as a stunner, but it's definitely not described the same way as a stunning spell. Either way though, the point is the description of how Hermione reacts to it suggests that there is again, at least a possibility that she might be dead. But of course, as we all know, thankfully she survives. Example number two is when Ron drinks the oak matured mead in Slughorn's office. This time it reads like this. Harry hurtled back to Ron's side, wrenched open his jaw and thrust the bezoar into his mouth. Ron gave a great shudder, a rattling gasp, and his body became limp and still. Now, it's hard to say if it's just the Bezor working that makes him become still and stop convulsing here, or if the poison had just reached a point that was nearing death and then the Bezor saved him after that point. But either way, you are meant to believe that Ron could have died here based on the limp and still description of his body. And finally, example number three. Mr. Weasley. This one is of particular significance to this argument because Arthur finds himself in mortal peril for the exact same reason as Snape. This is of course when he is attacked by Nagini while he is guarding the Hall of Prophecies at the Department of Mysteries. Here is the passage from Harry's dream where he is the snake. He reared high from the floor and struck once, twice, three times, plunging his fangs deeply into the man's flesh, feeling his ribs splinter beneath his jaws, feeling the warm gush of blood. The man was yelling, then he fell silent. He slumped backward against the wall, blood was splattering onto the floor. Okay, so if you're keeping track here, that is three venomous snake bites, broken ribs, and gushing blood. And it is at least several minutes before anyone is able to medically attend to him because the only reason anyone even knows it's happening is because Harry Dream lived it. And then, you know, he has to like, go and get out of bed and probably put on his glasses and slippers and go tell someone. And then they have to go tell someone else. Then they have to send a portrait to go and do all the other things. So like it was time. And yet once again, Mr. Weasley survives. And again, this is the exact same snake that supposedly 
kill Snape. But the other reason why this is hugely significant is because in order to cure Arthur, the healers at St. Mungo have to find an antidote for this very problem, which we know that they absolutely do, thanks to Mrs. Weasley. Healer Smethwick, who on earth is Healer Smethwick? This guy is referenced one time ever. Healer Smithwick worked his magic in the end, found an antidote to whatever that snake's got in his fangs. Okay, so let's start putting together some of the pieces of our argument here. So one, I think that we can say for sure that just because he goes still is not absolute evidence in the world of Harry Potter writing that he's definitely dead. And two, Snape is also in the Order of the Phoenix with Arthur Weasley and would absolutely have access to not only the information that there is in fact an antidote, but probably the antidote itself. Itself. Because also, when Mrs. Weasley tells everyone that they found an antidote to a Nagini bite, Snape is actually in the room. Snape's in the room because he was just having the argument with Sirius about Occlumency and Harry, and they had like the wands pointed at each other, and then Arthur walks in and he's like, I'm alive! And Mrs. Weasley's like, an antidote! So the Order knows about Nagini. They know that there's an antidote to a bite from Nagini. They are fighting Voldemort, whose right-hand snake is Nagini. I think they probably would keep some of this antidote around the premises, like band-aids. And, 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 even if everyone else in the order doesn't like carry this antidote around with them, Snape is simultaneously two things. One, the potions master, and two, the double agent that is literally working alongside Voldemort and therefore Nagini all the time. Snape is literally candidate number one to be carrying around an antidote for this very reason at all times. And if you think that's a reach that Snape would be carrying this antidote to a snake bite with him at all times, just listen to how Dumbledore describes literally his only other potions master. It happens when Harry is wondering why he is so essential to getting Slughorn's actual memory with the information about Horcruxes and asking like, why can't we just use Veritas serum? Dumbledore explains, Professor Slughorn is an extremely able wizard who will be expecting both. He is much more accomplished at Occlumency than poor Morphin Gaunt, and I would be astonished if he has not carried an antidote to Veritas serum with him ever since I coerced him into giving me this travesty of a recollection. Snape might be morally gray, but he is not an idiot. Not only is it likely that he'd be carrying this kind of antidote around with him anyway, I think it's kind of likely that he might literally be expecting to be attacked in this very way by Voldemort. For one, Dumbledore explains to Harry in King's Cross that he was certain that Voldemort would ultimately go after the Elder Wand, and because he had specifically arranged his death with Snape, he had basically sentenced Snape to this very fate, which doesn't sound very much like Dumbledore. Like if he can prevent someone from dying, it seems like he would do anything to do that. And it seems like he saw this one coming. So it's true. It's possible that Dumbledore just dies before he's able to, you know, tell Snape, hey, Voldemort, probably gonna try to kill you because, you know, you killed me and now you're the master of the Elder Wand. So good luck with that. Dumbledore's portrait is still in the headmaster's office and still giving Snape instructions so even if he doesn't outright tell him all of the details of the Elder Wand and how it could be passed or the fact that it even was the Elder Wand to begin with, he still could have easily explained to Snape that Voldemort might try to kill you and he might not do it by using his wand. The reason, by the way, in case you've ever wondered why like Voldemort doesn't just use Avada Kedavra with the Elder Wand to kill Snape is plot convenience, mostly. 
I personally think so. So at the very least, Snape has the ability to live long enough to give Harry, you know, the memories. Because if he's just a Vada Kedavra, then that's over. But also because he could be afraid that the wand will not work against Snape because the wand itself would believe that Snape is the master of the Elder Wand and therefore would not kill its own master. And I actually do believe that Dumbledore could have pretty easily deduced out this chain of events, that Snape would need to be killed, you couldn't use the Elder Wand, and therefore the next most likely way to kill him would be by use of Nagini, since she's part Horcrux and therefore part Voldemort, you know, kind of adding an extra layer to the mastery then falling on Voldemort. And again, I know this totally sounds like grasping, but just listen to the description of Snape's eyes while he's talking to Voldemort right before he's supposedly killed. And for a moment, Harry saw Snape's profile. His eyes were fixed upon the coiling snake in its enchanted cage. And then just a moment later, as Voldemort's anger is rising, Snape was not looking at Voldemort now. His dark eyes were fixed upon the coiling serpent and its protective sphere. Yeah, Snape is standing there completely alone with Voldemort, aware that he is about to die. He is doing everything he can to try and get away from the situation so that he can get to Harry to tell Harry everything that he needs to know, and his eyes aren't on Voldemort? They're on Nagini instead? Yes, because that is exactly where he expects the attack to be coming from, which it does. So again, not only did Snape likely have the antidote on him and know that the attack was imminent, but there are actually two more scenes where I think that his absence is a possible indication of his survival. First is when Harry is heading into the Forbidden Forest to let Voldemort actually kill him, and he uses the Resurrection Stone to recall his parents, Remus, and Sirius. But no Snape, and granted, Harry only like just learned about Snape's, you know, hidden bravery literally less than one hour ago. So it's fully possible that he just hasn't like, you know, mentally come to terms with this idea yet and therefore would call him back in this particular moment. But the other explanation is that he's not dead. Because also, you know, if I just discovered that the person who probably knew as much as Dumbledore literally just died and I could maybe ask him for like a tidbit more information before I go and do this final big thing, I mean, it could be useful. And then finally, in the aftermath of the great battle in the Great Hall, the victors are collecting their dead. They moved Voldemort's body and laid it in a chamber off the hall, away from the bodies of Fred, Tonks, Lupin, Colin Creevy, and 50 others who had died fighting him. And now, yes, to be fair, Snape's body would be in the Shrieking Shack and not in the Great Hall, but also don't you feel like there should be mention of him or the possibility that Harry would send someone to go collect his body? There's no mention of him at all in this whole scene. Like, shouldn't there be something that's like, and then Neville came up the stairs with Snape heaved over his shoulder and gently placed him on the ground and says, Harry, I found him right where you said. And yeah, maybe that exact scene happened and we never got to see it play out. Maybe he's just part of those 50 others who had also died fighting the battle. But don't you feel like Snape would deserve a name drop more than Colin Creevy? Because I feel like I do. So then the big question becomes, if Snape survived, whatever happens to him, where does he go? And personally for me, I like to believe that he would finally get to live a private and peaceful existence after a lifelong run of jealousy and despair. Because that's the thing about Snape, isn't it? Like, personally, 
I don't excuse his actions, but he's a man who's lived a life of torment. He came from this abusive household. He was an outcast in school. He finally rebels in the worst possible way and then has to live a life of sorrow for it for the rest of his life. And then when all is said and done, does he even get to die a hero? Or is he even dead at all? Is there a chance that he finally paid the price for all of his actions? And that's where I wanna to throw to you guys with my question of the day. What do you think here? Is there hope for Snape? Would you be okay with this version of his survival? Be sure to leave all of your thoughts in the towel section down below. Also guys, don't forget that this Friday night, November 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going live with another trivia challenge and we are going to be revealing our brand new designs for our animal mugs that were so very popular a couple of years ago. Last time they literally sold out in 20 minutes. So if you've been dying to get your hands on a set of those, be sure to set your reminder in your phone and we'll be announcing those just after 6 p.m. on Friday. See you guys there. But guys, as always, thanks for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you'd like to see some trivia action to prepare for this Friday night, you can check out this entire J versus Ben playlist. But otherwise, guys, until next time, bye.